Blessings, my brethren. This is the day that the Lord had made, and we must rejoice and be glad in it. And I am rejoicing in the fact that I am alive and able or to come to you with these words of encouragement. I trust that morning after morning that these words would encourage your heart. And you know what? I'm asking you, would you please share with a friend? You could never tell what the Word of God can do for someone. So as you receive these devotions, please share with family and friends. I, I love the song C.C. Cutter, he wrote in our hymnal, the song entitled, Must I Go and Empty-Handed? He said in verse 1, Must I go and empty-handed? Thus my dear Redeemer meet? Not one day of service given, lay no trophy at his feet. Not at death I shrink or falter, for my Savior saves me now. But to meet him empty-handed, thought of that now cloud my brow. Must I go and empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior so? Not one soul with which to meet him must I empty-handed go. I trust that the words of that song would encourage your hearts and we would stop and realize that now that we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that he expects us to witness for him and tell others about him. Oh, Paul said, what is our hope or crown of rejoicing? Is it not you in the presence of the Lord? My question, had you ever pointed someone to Jesus Christ? Had you ever stopped and shared the time with them and let them know that Jesus loved them? How are you living your life? Are you living your life as a child of God for here and now? Are you looking at temporal things or are you looking at eternal things? I closed last morning with 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 18, which says, While we look not on the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Are you able to see any further than right here and now? Are you able to envision one of these days that we are going to stand before the Lord and we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the things that we have done in our body? And we will stand there for the rewards that he would give to those of us who used our lives for his honor and for his glory. Would you stand there empty-handed? I trust not. Is it true that your soul will be saved, but your life span here on earth will value nothing? Is it true? Have you done your best for the Lord? We are looking at a lot, the way he lived his life. We can look at him and see that he was a saved man, but very little, if any, he had to show for his salvation. Job, we are told, 
from the scripture I shared with you last morning that Job was a worldly Christian. Now, the worldly Christian lay up treasures on earth and has little or no treasure in heaven. Why did you say that? Well, Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 and 20 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Now, let's be honest. When was the last time that we laid up a treasure in heaven, or a treasure for heaven? When was the last time? Of course, we understand that we can lay up treasures here on earth, and, and sometimes where we lay up our treasures, we find that they're gone. He reminded us that moth and rust corrupt treasures on earth. Thieves break through and steal our treasures. But when we lay up treasures in heaven, no rust, no moth, no thief cannot break through, nor steal. So the worldly Christian who walks by sight adopt the world standards and live by the wisdom of the world. Let me say that again. The worldly Christian who walks by sight adopt the world standards and live by the wisdom of the world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2 to verse number 7, here's what the scripture says. For if I make you sorry, who is he then that maketh me glad? But the same which is made sorry by me. And I wrote this same unto you, lest when I came, I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. He says in verse number four, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. But if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is the punishment which was inflicted of many. So that contrariwise, we are the rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest happily such a one should be swallowed up over much sorrow. John writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, he says, Love not the world, mm. neither the things that are in the world. There are many today who profess faith in Christ, and they are deeply in love with the world and deeply in love with the things of the world. In all honesty, I believe it is fair to say that there are many that are more in love with the world and the things of the world than they are in love with God. For when you are in love with someone, you spend a lot of time with them. When you are in love with someone, there isn't anything that is too good for you to give that someone. So he says, love not the world, neither the things of the world. He goes on to say, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father 
is not in him. It is so dangerous for us to be in love with this world, the worldless system, all that's going on in the world. For he says, if we love the world, then the love of God is not in us. But he reminded us, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Boy, there are some believers who will tell you that they are children of God. But wherever a pan knock, they're there. When the doors of the church is open, or maybe sometimes, but you find it very hard. That's the time they're most tired. Oh, very little time for the one that we say that we love. The one that we say is our father. The one that we say we have given our lives to. The one that we say that we are living for. But very little time for the world. He said... For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but of the world. And then I close with verse number 17. He says, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. Listen to these powerful words. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. It is my desire to do the will of God, and I trust that it is your desire also to do the will of God. So what have we seen thus far? He Lot preferred to walk by sight and not by faith. Next morning, I will share with you that he chose to make Sodom his home. He chose to make Sodom his home. He had a choice. He could have lived anywhere. His uncle told him, you take what you want. And he chose to make Sodom his home. Where are you living today? What are you doing for the Lord? I trust that these words would encourage you to use those gifts that he has placed within you, those talents for his honor and for his glory. And that one day when you get before him, you would not have to wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? But you'll hear the words, well done, the good and faithful servant. Our Father, our loving Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being able to serve you. And I pray that as we serve you day by day, O oh God, that you will, O oh God, accept our service as worship unto thee. Be with your children. Encourage our hearts. These are trying times, and we thank you for the grace that you have given us, Lord, to just live every day. Keep us safe from harm and danger. May your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. May God bless you. Do have a great day. And remember, God loves you and so do I.